We are the sacred collective. All are respected, all are heard, all are welcomed. Join us. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Sacred Collective. This is your host, Brian Odland. Um, we have another special guest today. We have MJ Corkern. Say hello. Hi. Um, I'm excited to have her on. Uh, we met, um, I posted an Instagram post that kind of blew up in a good, positive way. I'm excited of just people who want to be on the Sacred Collective podcast. Um, just to tell their story, tell their background, because we at Sacred Collective think everyone has a sacred story and something special to tell. And so MJ reached out to me uh, to be on the podcast, so I'm thankful that you're on. Um, so if you could just, for our listeners, MJ, just just go tell it. This is your time to kind of shine about your bio of who you are, what you want people to know, like what you do. Yeah. Take it away. Okay, sure. sure. So um, I'm MJ Corcoran and I am 41. I have three kids and I live in Dallas. Um, what I do for for work and sort of my what feels like is my life's mission is I help women who have been harmed by purity culture and e- evangelical teachings. I help them heal and recover and reclaim their life. Um, I do that through a Facebook group that I run, um, a few of them actually, some some paid programs and uh, through a podcast that I just recently launched all under the uh, brand name, I guess you could say, uh, called Jezebel's Healing House. Very cool, very cool. Um, yeah, I, I feel like we're going to do a deep dive into purity culture because, um, I know you stick specifically with women within purity culture, but I grew up in the evangelical tradition myself, um, in the Assemblies of God, which is very, uh, what's the word? Very, it was very inundated within purity culture and in a lot of ways, but still within purity culture. So peeling back the, the layers of all that, um, shit (laughs) um all the shit that you know gets shoved down your throat and and all that stuff so yeah so um kind of uh maybe go a little bit into like maybe your background like how did you grow up did you grow up in the church did you grow up in christianity um just to kind of see where where you're like from where you went or where you started to where you're at now if you're okay with that Yes, absolutely. Um, first, I did want to clarify, while I, I I refer, using the general term women, I would work with anyone, um, especially people who got the woman experience, if oh, okay. that makes sense. Yeah, okay. No matter how you identify, if you grew up with the with the unique teachings of purity culture that, uh, that affected, you know, that, that they taught girls, um, you know, those are the people that I try to serve, but I do know that it, it hurts everybody. All right. You Thank know, you for that clarification. Of course, of course. So, okay, where do I start? I was born 
into the evangelical church. I went to a school that was an offshoot of our Assemblies of God uh, church. It was like non-denominational Assemblies of God church. Mm. Um, And my family was really involved. My uncle was a pastor um, of a different church. And so it was the only thing I really knew about, like, there was no, I didn't have access to any other kind of way of living. Mm -hmm. So I grew up believing that I was a sinner in need of a savior. Um, I never felt a true sense of belonging at church, at school, or at my uncle's church, um, because we certainly didn't fit the mold of, like, my mom was divorced and disabled, and we were really poor, and so I was, uh, you know, I I was part of a marginalized group, I guess you could say, um, especially in, in the church community where a lot of the people were wealthy and white, mm-hmm. um, but... I grew up that way and I really wanted to have a relationship with God. I really wanted to, you know, have a friend in Jesus. And, uh, and I tried and I believed and I did mostly the right things. Um, I often would go to church at my own, uh, you know, they bring me to church because I wanted to go. Um, once, I got a little older, like my family stopped being active in the church, but they still held tightly to all the beliefs. So the only way we'd get to church is if I wanted to go. And uh, and then I walked away from all of that when I was a teenager because I was supposed to go on a church trip and instead ended up in the hospital with an, having an emergency appendectomy. Oh my goodness. And uh, that really kind of, at that moment solidified for me that God didn't want anything to do with me and wasn't worried about me because if God was going to stop me from going on a church trip, then clearly, you know, with a, with what could only be seen as an act of God. Right. Right. Like, right. Um, I, I just, that was like an ultimate sense of rejection that I felt. Mm. Um, and so I spent about four or five years just living like a somewhat normal life, still held on to all the beliefs at that time, I remember telling people I wished I could be an atheist because it would be easier to not believe in God than to believe this loving God didn't didn't care about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I fell into a dark place in my late teens, early 20s, and uh, thought about going back to church, that maybe that would help. And I did, and I got really involved with the youth group and young adult ministries, and I spent a good three or four years there. Uh, And it was, it was, that's where I was most impacted by purity culture. Mm. Um, That's where I felt a lot of shame for having any kind of sexual past because so many people my age had never even kissed anyone. And that was, uh, you know, elevated to this level um, that of, I don't know, superiority, Mm -hmm. like they were, they were extra good Christians, I guess you could say. And Mm -hmm. I, once again, didn't feel a sense of belonging 
but I felt a hefty dose of shame and, uh, you know, isolation for being compared to chewed up gum and a tattered rose and an unwrapped gift and a half-eaten cookie and all these uh, dehumanizing analogies they give to girls who have had sex or had, you know, relationships. Um, and uh, that was... Those teachings and that belief system, even when I was following the rules, it was it was dehumanizing to me. And it looking back, you know, I didn't have the terminology for it, but it it caused me to have a very dysfunctional relationship with my body, Mm -hmm. with other people. Um, It prevented me from normal, healthy sexual development, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until, and, and it, those effects lasted well into my marriage, well into my uh, early years as a parent. And uh, in some ways it still affects me um, where I really struggle to talk about this kind of thing. Um, it's, hard to talk to my kids about it's hard to it's hard for me to articulate any desires or anything like that I might have even with you know the person I'm safest with right um and that's um that's sort of the overview of Mm. how it all you know what purity culture has done um and what I do now is I go, I lead people who are looking to find a way out and looking to heal. Mm-hmm. And I provide space for them to share their stories, to get, to get community support, to take workshops and things like that, to help them, um, you know, just get a, get, get their life back. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in the process of, and I've, I mean, I've been doing it for a few years, but of just taking my life back and figuring out what it is that I want and who I am not, and no longer being who they told me to be and wanting what they told me to want. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, thank you for that openness and transparency and vulnerability. And, you know, I, my heart goes out to you, um, for having to deal with that, for having to, um, just with all the negativity, not, you know, not just in the church, but just how people were devaluing you. Um, and like the analogies you use, like a chewed up piece of gum or a half eaten cookie. I mean, it's just, I can't, I just can't begin to describe like what that does to someone's, you know, someone's psyche, someone's worth. So, um, I'm glad you came out the other side in this, positive way and you're taking that hurt and spiritual abuse is what it is um and creating something positive to help other people who have went through this so i thank you very much for doing that and for your work thank you um sometimes i feel like it's a selfish thing to do because helping others helps me as well <laughs> hey it's, so it's like i help people for my own selfish gain 
<laughs> no, it's that's fine. Uh, I think that's always a even if you help others and help yourself in the process. I don't think there's anything wrong about that. Um, so, where do you? This is maybe a, a bigger theological question, but where do you think, or why do you think, within like the evangelical tradition, where like where did this purity culture? mumbo jumbo come from that's why i want to know because like i was for many years i was raised in the assemblies of god dabbled in the baptist um tradition for a while and then i was the united church of christ which was really mainline protestant and it's like they they taught kids at a young age about sex like positive you know not like this purity culture stuff but like your body is your body and it's okay if you touch yourself and you know normal biological human development stuff so you have that in the church and then you have this purity culture that was given to us by these evangelical ministers. Like, and I know this is not just to you, but we can both talk back and forth. But like, where where do you think that this started, and why do you think there was just this? Why there's this push behind it? So that's a really good question, and I don't have the complete answer because I think that it's multifaceted, but in my group the other day, someone uh, brought up a really good point. Um, they brought up a really good point. And if you don't mind, I'd like to just read her quote. This is Go for, um, yeah. okay. It says purity culture was invented as a backlash to the advancements for black rights achieved during the civil rights movement. Bolstering white supremacist societal structures was always the point. Mm. And I don't have a lot of context for that because I haven't. That was my first time hearing that, mm -hmm. but I think it's something, and it's probably because I am white, and of course I would have been shielded from that knowledge. Mm. Uh, but I think that's something that I personally will explore more, and I think it's something that um, white evangelicals or white ex-evangelicals, people who have suffered under purity culture, should dig into that the white supremacist history, the, the larger context of the conversation was regarding how the purity of white women was used to cause harm to black men. Um, mm. So again, that's something that I have not dug into extensively yet, but would like to. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that another reason for it was the, it was sort of a backlash to the free love movement mm -hmm. um and in the i think it sort of really peaked in the 90s and that could have been too as a result of just the rise of feminism and even a, in response to the aids epidemic and things they just kind of closed everything off well don't do it at all we won't have any problems no teen pregnancies no abortions no nothing you know we just don't do it at all um, was sort of their mindset. And I think ultimately it's because Christianity is a patriarchal religion. Mm -hmm. So women have never been given equal standing. And this is just another manifestation of that. But again, it harms men too, just like, just like patriarchy harms men. 
Right. And I think everything you were saying, all those aspects are definitely major players in that. Um, like you said, there's not just, I mean, there's all these nuances with it or interconnectedness. So it's hard to describe and like that first one that you said of, of like the white supremacy, white superiority. I can definitely, you know, I would agree to that. And I, as a white male myself need to, you know, study up on that more just to see how that interplay, you know, goes together. But one book that I'm reading right now that's I highly recommend and, and it's fascinating. It's written by this Christian historian, um, Kristen Dumay, and it's called Jesus and John Wayne. Mm-hmm. And it's all about um how like white American evangelicalism like how it's why it's so popular and why it's like destroying the church in essence. And she, she's this, she weaves the, this beautiful tapestry of like it, a lot of our issues within the church, like the white evangelical church, it goes back to um, our wrapping our Christianity within politics, wrapping our, our Christianity um, into certain groups of Christians, a.k.a. white men, who um, are powerful, you know, pastors, business people, um, politicians. And it's like literally getting into bed with them to make these backroom deals. And it single-handedly has, has transformed the church. And they, you know, she goes, she kind of goes about like how, like our fascination, like a lot of men will look at themselves as like a John Wayne. He's like super macho. He's super whatever. But they were like, he's, and obviously that's not men. Most men now, or at least men my age, I mean, I'm 38. I don't look at John Wayne as this ideal, like man to strive to be after. But obviously, (laughs) like in the 50s and 60s, it was. And, and so back in like the 40s, 50s, 60s, you started seeing like people like John Wayne and other, you know, other people were these, you know, strapping young, good men, but very misogynistic, very horrible people. But yet the church, and I, what I agree exactly what you were saying too, is that the church got really, uh, scared of women having power. They were mm-hmm. scared of the free love movement. They were scared of feminism. And this author goes into vivid detail of like, you know, with, with women's rights. All I mean, all the way back to like the women's suffrage movement where a lot of men, and it was especially the like pastors, white ministers who were extremely against that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think all, and, and so like when she was reading this, it's like I knew a, a lot about this after deconstructing all that and like deconstructing my evangelicalism, deconstructing purity culture. But as a white man, it just bothers me. I'm like, so you created this horrible, toxic sexual purity thing because you're scared of losing power. You're, Mm -hmm. you're scared of your wife or your daughters or whoever, like actually taking care of their body and knowing who they are as themselves. And you're using their body as as almost like this weapon against them. And, Mm -hmm. but yet, and through this book, you see all these ministers or these politicians who would talk about purity culture or not, maybe not purity culture, but what we would describe as purity culture. And they were just terrible people. They were, you know, in essence, you know, marital raping their, their wife, or they were having affairs and doing all these things. And I mean, the book's really like 
just heavy to read. But then I just sit back and I'm like, you guys just created all this bullshit because you want control and you want to control politics. You want to control church. You want to control women. So that's why you come up with these horrible, horrible, nasty uh, teachings. Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. I have that book on Audible and I need to listen to it. Everyone recommends it. Um, so yes, I am more interested now than ever. <laughs> yeah. I just um, interviewed a person last week who's actually friends with her and he was like, Oh, maybe I can hook you up with, uh, you know, with an interview. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> oh, I hope that works out. Yeah, maybe she's I know. listening and she'll want to come on because she loves our conversation. So yeah, much. let's hope so. <laughs> yeah. Um, and well, and kind of, if I can piggyback and go yeah. back to like, something that you were saying is and like you said like i know i think purity culture hurts women more and it's i think it's geared towards women more especially in teaching um in the church but like you you've said already multiple times it can affect men as well and i feel like you know a lot of men can maybe just be like meh you know you know like i i guess i'm a very emotional person and i've never shied away from that so like stuff about my own body or my own understanding of my body, like I take very serious. And mm-hmm. like, of course, growing up in the Assemblies of God, it was always this purity culture stuff. But, and I can still remember, you know, I've, I graduated high school in 2001. So it's been a hot minute since I've been in high school. But I remember I was just telling my wife this because she grew up in the same tradition I did. And we still, you know, 11 years into our marriage, we still say like how there's that, some of that embedded stuff in your subconscious about purity culture that's still there that you got to work through, right? You know, you got to just be like, get this out. But I, I, I said, there's this story that obviously it's traumatic for me because I can still remember it like it happened yesterday, even though it probably happened like 22 years ago. But I was like, our youth pastor and his wife, it and they always had like this sex seminar, sex week stuff. Um, and it was always over, um, Valentine's weekend or I was in February. I think that's kind of ironic that they do it then. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had it for three weeks and it was this one particular week. So it was in the sanctuary. And mind you, they, they told us to invite all of our parents. Um, so all of us youth group kids, our, our moms and dads, grandparents, they were sitting out there in, in the, in the pews and the youth pastor's wife called this girl up to the stage. Her name was Tiffany. And she, she made Tiffany hold this massive, like daisy, those big old massive daisies. So long stem and all the like little, um, flower petal or the pet, uh, petals on the outside. And she had every, like, boy in the youth group go on go up and start picking one pedal off you know one boy would go up take a pedal another boy off would go take a pedal and we had to keep repeating it until it was to the end until it was just the nub of the of the sunflower and she was like women this is what this is what's left of your sexuality this is what's left of your soul if you give yourself away to other men and that's it. And I remember as soon as she said that, 
it's just like I I don't know why I didn't, but I like my heart was racing, my like my palms were sweaty, and I was like, this is horrible. Like, h- how did you just say that? Not to this just this person, but she was saying to all these women, hey, you know, and she was like holding hands, making out, kissing, just normal bi- you know, normal stuff that every human does. She was like, oh, because if you do this, then when you get married, this is all you have left to give to your potential mate. And I was just like the toxicity, the, the, I mean, unbiblicalness and that true, you know, even then, but I just, I just still remember that story. Like it happened yesterday. And I was like, it just stuck with me to be like, how horrible of a teaching of purity culture is that when, you know, not just to this woman, but to all the women in the youth group saying like, yeah, you know, if you're understanding your body sexually, that's terrible because you have to just save yourself for your husband. But yet men, it's like if a boy was like, yeah, I kissed my girlfriend or we did this, they'll be like, oh, well, you're, you know, you're a boy, you know, you can't control your, you know, your sex drive. And I mean, we had those conversations in youth group and it was just like, I look back and even as a kid in youth group, I was like, this is wrong. Like, this is terrible. Why are we, why are we telling, you know, students, men and women that this is normal when it's not, you know? Mm-hmm. <sighs> I often liken these kinds of teachings to other normal biological needs and functions. So, if there was a church telling toddlers that using the toilet is dangerous, harmful, you can get hurt, you'll be reduced to a torn up flower, mm. they're going to have serious digestive issues, yeah. right? Yeah. If we tell people that they cannot eat, that no matter how hungry they are, they cannot eat. Because eating is reserved for marriage. There's going to be a lot of eating disorders. Mm. And everyone understands that in order for the human race to continue, sexual desire typically would, you know, should occur. Right. (laughs) Um, And that's not to say anything about asexuals. That's very perfectly valid. Right, right. uh, Way to be. And, um, (laughs) but in general, people want to have sex and... That's normal. Mm-hmm. And there are parameters, just like you don't use the bathroom anywhere. You don't eat whatever you want, whenever you want. You don't steal anybody else's food. Right. There can be parameters around sex. There should be parameters around sex and sexual development. But instead of teaching those parameters, instead of teaching the way to handle a normal biological need or function, they banished it. Mm-hmm. They demonized it. And they told us if we participated in it, even by ourselves, we were sinners. Right. We were wrong. We right. were harmful. And it has brought up a couple of generations now of people with, you know, sexual struggles, sexual disorders of some kind mm-hmm. or sexual trauma. Not, well, not sexual trauma in a, the abusive way, right. but like trauma around their own sexual development. Right. No, and, and I, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. I didn't know if you were done. Oh, no, that's okay. I was just, 
I was just thinking it's, it has to stop. We have to rein this in. We have to keep talking about it so that no more people are affected. Right. And I mean, and to be, I've shared this on other interviews that I've done, but like I, I've told people, like I, I got kicked out of my youth group because I talked back against purity culture. And I was a junior, almost senior in my youth group. And, I, you know, back then I was, I was, a, I don't know, at least what I thought was a popular, <laughs> you know, person <laughs> in the youth group. Um, but we, it, we always had, and evangelicals can never, you know, do like the youth group boys and girls can never hang out because apparently, you know, we can't control our sex drives at a teenage, you know, age and so like the women were with the youth pastor's wife and the you know female mentors or leaders and then the you know boys we were with you know the youth pastor and all this stuff and of course we knew we was going to talk about sex and whatever and it was like friday night we played games we played football and whatever and then saturday it was just kind of like and it was they were always timid and most of these pastors are never trained in any of this sexuality and 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 any of that training at all and i remember you know because they were they told all of us before this event started like weeks before like why don't you invite your friends from the community from your school it's going to be really good teaching on all this kind of stuff and they were all they just started talking about sex but then they were talking specifically to us about you know boys and like how we've went through puberty or we're going through puberty and you know, what it's like and these thoughts and these feelings that you're going to feel about people. And it's always heterosexual. Let's just be honest about that. Mm -hmm. It's never like, you know, you will never hear a conversation of like, oh, well, if you're a boy, you might like another boy or, you know, whatever. It's always like, you're going to like this girl. And, and mm -hmm. I remember the youth pastor saying like, like masturbation is a sin. And not only is it sinful, but like if you're a young man and, you know, you see an attractive woman and then you masturbate, well, it says in the Bible that, you know, you're sinning after them. Or even if, you know, you're frustrated or you had a bad day and you go home and masturbate, like that's sinning because that's for your future spouse to do or whatever. And once again, MJ, I was just like, my heart was racing it was like beating out of my chest because I'm like, this is a lie. Like, that's not true. Like, this was, why are you saying that to such impressionable kids, including my own self? And so, like, I raised my hand and I, like, at that point, I was just like, I don't care. I just don't care what happens. And he, you know, he called on me and I was like, that's not true. I was like, what you just said wasn't true. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, masturbation is not a sin. And it's not wrong. And I said, and if it was wrong, why is it biologically something that humans do? Why is it that's like, you know, and he's like, oh, yeah, we do it as humans, but it's only supposed to be in this context or that. And I'm like, no, it's my body. You know, I'm like, I, I was created or however I got here with a penis, with sec with a sex drive. And if I need to explore myself to know who I am or what I like, that's completely normal, biologically okay. I said, for men to do it and for women. And he was like, well, no, that's wrong, da-da-da-da-da. I was like, where are you getting this? I said, that doesn't even say that in the Bible. And I said, and even if it says it in the Bible, it's very patriarchal, it's very misogynistic, where women had no rights, cattle 
and children had more power than women. So I said, let that sink in. And he came up to me like an hour later. He's like, yeah, you can't be in the youth group anymore. I, you know, you're being too divisive or whatever. And it's because I stole this thunder. But in a way, I was like, you're telling us this bullshit purity culture where there's no biologically science, sound science behind it. Because all of science, all of psychologists, all of sex therapists, they're all going to look at you and just say you're wrong. Right? They're just going to mm-hmm. say that you're wrong. And so I appreciate, like, when you reached out to me, when I, when you kind of told me what you did, I was like, I want you on the podcast because it's like, we, I'm so thankful for that you're having a, a, a place for people to, you know, deconstruct all that shit that they've went through and that you're giving them a safe place to do so. So again, thank you for doing that because it's, it's very therapeutic. It's therapeutic and it's also, I don't know. It's just freeing to be able to to tell other people your stories and what you've went through, you know? Yes, definitely. And on behalf of church kids everywhere, I applaud you for getting kicked out of youth group. Um, I didn't, I wanted so badly to belong. I didn't buck the system at all. And um, we never had discussions about masturbation. That would just, girls didn't do that. Girls didn't want to do that because I don't know why, actually. That just never came up. It was never part of the conversation. And I guess our side of that was don't dress a certain way because you don't want a guy to lust after you, Mm. which I guess means make him want to masturbate now that I think about it, um, (laughs) or make him want to be with you, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, That was the extent if I'm, I don't even know if you can call that part of that conversation. Well, yeah, but that word never came up. I couldn't even say that word until my therapist forced me to become more comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, during our session, she would just be like, blah, 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 masturbation. How do you feel about that word yet? Can you say it yet? <laughs> yeah. Forcing you out of your comfort zone. I can, zone. Rachel. I can. Now I can. <laughs> well, and and see, what was so funny is I grew up, and it's so bizarre to me, because I was actually just talking to my coworkers at work, and I don't work in any sort of Christian environment. And, and I was just saying, like, how after all these, and, like, my wife and I, like I said, we grew up in the AG tradition. We met at an Assemblies of God college, even though we weren't, really practicing that it was just oh this is what we were born into we're comfortable but even like randomly sometimes we'll just have conversations and we're like god i can't believe you know we still struggle with some of those things we're we don't we're not like that at all anymore but like like i said earlier it's it's just like having some of that in the back of your head that you're still like why am I thinking that? And you're like, oh, well, for like five years in my very impressionable young mind, I was taught this. And one thing my wife brings up all the time and exactly what you just said, it was like another thing with impurity culture is it's like, oh, well, if guys look at you, you know, sexually or if they give you that kind of like creepy, leery eye, well, it's your fault because you're dressing provocative or seductive. And it's like, no. A woman should be able to wear whatever she wants to wear. And if a guy can't keep his eyes off of her, that's his issue. That's his stuff that he has to work on and not look at women as sex objects. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Jesus said something like, gouge out your eyes. Yeah, no, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And, and, but, 
and like I said, even in purity culture, it was like, men don't masturbate, men don't do this, men don't do that. But they're like, but if you slip up, you know, kind of slap on the wrist, you know, don't tell anyone, kind of like that whole like macho man thing, kind of like, oh, just it's like, shh, don't tell anybody, but it's it's not right. But then the other thing, because like my wife would always hear from the women's perspective, like, well, if a guy comes on to you or he wants to sleep with you or if he wants to do whatever sexually, you got to tell yourself how am I coming across? You know, is, is, do, am I showing cleavage? Am I showing too much shoulder? Are my shorts too short? And this was stuff she told me that she heard in her youth group. And I was just like, oh my word. And I was like, and I could, so I can understand how so many people, men and women are coming out of youth group going into college. And they're like, I don't even know who I am, you know, as a maybe as a Christian or faith wise, and I don't even know who I am as myself as a sexual being, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still to this day, to be brutally honest, I was just talking to my wife the other day, and I was like, I still am not a hundred percent. If I'm transparent, I'm still not a hundred percent asking certain things in my own marriage to my wife about like sexual things because I feel dirty about it. Mm-hmm. And they're not like, I'm not talking even about like kinks or anything. And that's another whole <laughs> conversation we could have. But, you know, it, it's, it's like, I like, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not nervous or scared to be intimate with my wife or any of that. But there's other things where it's just like when you're in those moments with your partner and then you're kind of like, is this okay? Is this all right? Like, Mm-hmm. Is it okay if I asked her to do this or is it okay if she asked me? And and I know it's not wrong, but there's that little bit like that one or two percent of that like purity culture in the back of your head that's kind of like, uh, uh, like you shouldn't do that. And it's like, well, no, this is my spouse. I'm married to her. I'm We're committed to each other. But it's like, uh, I don't care. That's still a little weird. And so it's kind of like <laughs> what you were saying. Right. It's that purity culture that just gets so so embedded into our psyche and into our brains that it, it it still sticks with you. That's what like religious abuse or like sexual abuse, which we know not like physical, but that kind of emotional and mental manipulation um, does. Yes. Yes. The effects are long lasting, even, even though, like I said, I do this work full time, you know, and, um, and I, I've been at this work for a while, mm-hmm. and there's, I still have a ways to go. But I am grateful for the ground I have already covered, and you know I feel ultimately in a much better place, mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, all of it mm-hmm. since I've left. It's so good to hear. <laughs> Uh, I I feel like I don't I hate I just hate purity culture and I'm it's so it's so bizarre how many all these decades later like almost two decades later that I'm still having conversations not just with myself or with my wife but with other people all over the you know country all over you know the inner internet of like hey that happened to you oh that happened to you too Mm -hmm. um and a lot of times, I, I mean, like, I have nieces, you know, my brother's a, a Baptist, you know, youth pastor. And, I mean, even in 
he doesn't teach purity culture, even though he was taught it. I mean, he, you know, maybe purity culture light, but at the same time, I'm just like, I feel like what you said earlier is like this heyday of, you know, definitely like in the mid to late 80s, but really in the decade of the 90s is really where I think it got embedded into us. Um, mm-hmm. And I still think it's, I don't think it's as prevalent as it has been, but I do still think it's definitely around. Would you say you think that too? Yes. It's, there's, yeah, it's more purity culture light. There is a little more responsibility put on boys. And and that's, it's better in terms of inside of purity culture. It's better that not all of the responsibility or most of it is put on girls. Mm-hmm. However, it's still wrong to put so much on children who are just trying to grow up and develop. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is more talk about, you know, women enjoying sex within the marriage and things like that. So it's like, it is somewhat in, in, in various, uh, denominations kind of moving forward it's still so much farther behind what is normal healthy sexual development teachings oh god yes i would agree <laughs> i would agree with that um it's hard to it's hard to answer some questions like this because that's like i don't want anybody here oh mj said period culture isn't that bad anymore right. <laughs> or you know like i'm sure it, it is comparatively speaking but compared to the way we were brought up i don't i don't feel like there's the height of you know purity balls and things like that though those still occur yeah and i mean i remember in the youth group having to read um i kiss dating goodbye um mm-hmm. signing purity pledge cards signing or you know wearing like a promise ring to myself that I'm not going to, you know, have sex until, uh, you know, I'm married and all this kind of stuff. And it's ironic that the person who wrote I Kissed Dating Goodbye, you know, now years later has denounced that and, you know, all this stuff. Um, very, very odd and very strange. But yeah, and I would agree. It's, and why I say it like maybe it's purity culture light is and partly is because I've been out of that tradition and out of evangelicalism for so long, um, mm-hmm. for about 20 years. So it's like, I'm not, I'm not a part of that world anymore. Um, so I don't know what they teach at an assemblies of God's, you know, church or school now or, or in their seminaries or stuff. But I guarantee you it's, it's still, it's still bad, but yep. I, and I would agree with you. I think there more people are putting the onus on their, especially their sons, especially and like my parents taught me, they were like, and my mom was a very, you know, this firecracker of a lady. And she's always been like, you know, women are beautiful, wonderful, created, you know, using very, very, uh, Jesus language. I would say, you know, creations of God. And I'm like, yes, they are. And she's like, don't lust after them. They're a human being. They have their own, life and and drives and all that so i came from a very sexually open meaning like expressive of like this is who you are this is mm-hmm. normal because i was talking to some co-workers today and i was like yeah my parents didn't want me to have sex until i was married but they were because that was their hope but they were like if you do make sure you really care about that person you love them and then be smart about it like wear protection or or you know 
you know, have her take a pill, you know, like or whatever for our birth control, you know, Mm -hmm. do whatever, you know, be smart about it. But they were never like, oh, my gosh, if you have sex, like you're going to hell and, you know, your faith is blah, 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 blah. So I I at least came, I guess, from a sexually, uh, I don't know, I would say progressive in an evangelical Mm -hmm. tradition. But I know Mm -hmm. there's so many people and especially a lot of friends that I still have where it was like, nope. Like, there's none of that. And then you look at their marriages, you've looked at some of the divorces they went through, they won't admit it, but it's like, I think purity culture played a role in just the the demise of so many things in your life because of the way you were taught about sexuality and about your own sexuality. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um. Do you think this should be a good place to stop? Because I feel like we could talk for like six more hours about purity culture. <laughs> oh my goodness. So could Yeah, this sounds like a great time to stop. Do you, are, I guess this is the part that'll be edited out. Yeah, we can, whatever you want, <laughs> edit it out. My producer can uh, Thanks, take that producer. Out. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Caleb. Just edit this little <laughs> dead space out. Um I guess the last thing I will say is to let um, let our listeners when this comes out, um, if you want people to find you on the internet, wherever, or find these, you know, this Facebook group that you have, just let our listeners kind of say right now, or tell our listeners right now, excuse me, uh, where they can find you and how to find your work. Yes, of course. I am on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter as either MJ Corcoran or Jezebel's Healing House. You can connect with both of those on any of those platforms. And I am on Twitter as MJ Corcoran author. Uh, I mean, not Twitter, TikTok. I'm on the TikTok with the young people uh, (laughs) at MJ Corcoran author. And I talk a lot about purity culture and deconstruction over there. All right. Fantastic. Sorry. And you said about the groups, if you want to be in any of those, um, reach out to me because I work really hard to keep the group safe. So I rarely ever even mention it, um, outside of Facebook Mm -hmm. so that, you know, only people who are there in good faith show up. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, but yes, just reach out to me if that sounds like something you're interested in. Awesome. Thanks so much, MJ, for just a wonderful conversation. Um, and thank you for all the work that you do to make a safe safe space for men and women who, who have went through this nasty thing called purity culture. So thanks again for everything you do. Of course, it, it really is a pleasure to, to be able to do it. It's a, it's a, it's, it's hard because I don't like that all, you know, that everybody, so many people are affected, but Mm -hmm. I'm honored to be able to do the work and help people who need it. All right. Thanks again for being on and uh, I'll uh, let you know when uh, this is coming out. All right. Great. Thanks so much for having me. Yep. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for being part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, Find us on social media at SacredMN. You were a new language I was learning to speak. It was rough around the edges.
for good enough for me. It was good.